Hey guys, uh, if you've listened to this podcast for any time at all, you know how much I care about keeping pet care accessible to pet owners and um, and how much I hate when people don't have the resources they need to take care of their pets or staff included. Guys, if you are here, you're probably pretty hardcore about pet health care. FIGO Pet Insurance helps you and your clients prepare for the unexpected so that you never have to make the tough choice between your pet's health and your wallet. Whether uh, these pets are, are eating out of the trash or diving off of furniture, pets don't always make the best decisions. We know that. But with FIGO, you can and pet owners can. Designed for pets and their people, FIGO allows you to worry less and play more with customizable coverage for accidents, illness, and routine wellness. To get a quick and easy quote, visit FIGOPET.com slash cone of shame. That's F-I-G-O-P-E-T dot com slash cone of shame. FIGO's policies are underwritten by Independence American Insurance Company. Welcome, everybody, to the Kona Shame Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Work. Guys, I am back with my friend, cardiologist, Dr. Mack from Purdue University's College of Veterinary Medicine. She is uh, amazing. Guys, we are talking about uh, big cats and big hearts. We're talking about a Maine Coon cat who's in for limping, and when we take a radiograph of the shoulder, we see his heart's really big. What do we do with big hearts and cats? Heart disease, cardiomegaly in cats is uh, is a interesting subject area. It's a point of a lot of debate for cardiologists. I want to make sure I'm getting it right or at least starting my clients off down the right path so that we can figure out what to do together. Gang, super great ex- uh, episode. Really good information. So many pearls. Dr. Mack is amazing. I hope you'll agree. Let's get into this episode. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome back to the podcast, Dr. Anna McManamay. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am so good. I am so thrilled to have you back. Uh, how have you been? I've been good. How are you doing? I'm I'm okay. Uh, my my mom is coming to visit uh, this weekend, and she's supposed to be here like any time. And so I, uh, <laughs> I, sent her, I sent her a message, and I was like, "Don't come in my room, mom. <laughs> I'm hanging out with yeah, my with friend. friends. <laughs> I'm hanging out with my friend. Yeah, she, she. It was. It's a language that she would uh, understand, and that would uh, come back to her from the past. So yeah, that's. So we we got to get this done because my mom's coming over. Uh, so. good. All right, all right. Here we go. <laughs> I've got a. I have a case for you. There's probably nothing. It's probably dumb. It's probably nothing. Um, I've got this big, handsome Maine Coon cat who thinks he's a dog. You know those cats? <laughs> my favorite cats, yeah. My favorite cats, too. Uh, the cat people are like, oh, I like, you like cats. And I'm like, I like cats who act like dogs. And they're like, shut up. <laughs> no, kidding. I, I love cats. Um, but I do. there is something about the big cats that think that they're dogs that yeah. just makes me smile. And that is our friend Jerry. Jerry is, uh, like I said, eight years old. So, uh, so middle, middle-aged, getting on towards later uh, senior years uh, there. But anyway, Jerry's in for limping, limping on one of the front legs. And we snapped a radiograph, thoracic uh, sort of shoulder. We snapped shoulder rads. And, you know, we got, we got some chest in there. Jerry has a big heart. 
uh, and I haven't, I haven't counted rib spaces, but just looking at Jerry, he's, he's just got a big heart. And it does not look normal. I look at a lot of cat chests in my time, and I see a big heart, and I know what a big heart looks like. I think he's got a big heart. And so, yeah, I'm just looking at, I don't hear a murmur or anything when I listen to this. He's not asymptomatic. He's literally here for orthopedics in the front leg. What do you think when I tell you that I see that in Jerry? How do you how do you treat this? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, the cardiomegaly in a cat, especially on radiographs, I think always should alert you to the possibility that there could be cardiac disease, um, especially because the most common kind of cardiac disease in a cat can be really difficult to pick up on radiographs alone. So anytime I think there's a big heart for a cat, I think it's worth further investigation. Um, the fact that he came in for limping, I think we have to keep in mind, like, is this a weird presentation for like an aortic thromboembolism? So tying the whole picture together, again, I think it warrants further workup of his heart a little bit. So we have to figure out, well, what are we going to be able to offer this cat in that setting versus future steps? So I would say the easiest things to do when you have a cat at your practice, you don't have a cardiologist next door, um, right. would be to... You've already done the thoracic radiographs. You've seen the big heart. I'd say, ooh, cardiac disease is very possible. This is a breed of cat. This is an age of cat. This is a gender of cat that get heart disease. So working that up a little bit further, it's an old enough cat where we could see secondary changes from hypothyroidism. We could see secondary changes from high blood pressure. So a very basic screening for cats that are over the age of seven, honestly, for me, I do recommend a T4. And I do recommend a systemic blood pressure. Those are accessible, easy to do, um, just ruling out raging systemic disease that could be causing mm. heart changes. And then for this guy, the other things I would do, again, just because he's a breed, segment, and gender at risk, he's got limping and he's got a big heart on radiographs, is I would, this is a good time to do one of those NT probian Ps. So that biomarker that we talked a little bit about last time. So the BNP, um, just as a reminder, is that B-type natriuretic peptide. This is something that's released by the heart, by the ventricles when they feel stretched. So it can be a pressure overload, a volume overload, or a systemic disease process like hyperthyroidism or systemic hypertension. Anything that makes the heart unhappy, um, it can release this hormone. And so the NT ProBNP is a send-out test, so it does take a little bit of time, but there are SNAP tests available. So these are from IDEX. They're just like a SNAP heartworm or SNAP parvo test. You take a few drops of their blood, put it in the well, wait for eight minutes, and you get your answer. Um, that one is nice, I think, for these more time-sensitive cases. Um, it basically gives you a quantitative answer. So it tells you, um, or excuse me, a qualitative answer. So it tells you, yes, there's likely significant heart disease or no, there's likely not significant heart disease. Um, whereas the send out test is a quantitative. So it gives you an actual number. Um, but those would be the things I would start with in that cat today. And we can talk a little bit more about, but I want to see if you have any questions so far. No, no, that, that totally makes, makes complete sense to me. I have, I have a couple of questions, but I, I want to go farther down the path before I come back around to them. So yeah, I'm, I'm good with this. This all makes sense. This all seems very doable. I, I am 100% on board. Where, where do we go from here? What are, you, what are you kind of expecting to come back? What are you concerned about finding? Yeah. So if I think this cat truly has significant heart enlargement, I've ruled out hyperthyroidism. I've ruled out systemic hypertension. If my BNP result comes back as abnormal, 
or greater than the reference range. Um, at okay. least greater than, honestly, 200 is kind of my number, but the reference range goes to 100. So, but I just want it to be more oh, like gotcha. okay. yeah. Um, if that makes sense. So the SNAP test, the cutoff is 270. That's the cutoff, picomoles per milliliter. Um, so if I get an abnormal BNP result in this cat, I'm going to say your cat likely has structural heart disease. Um, the lameness could be truly that. It could be a musculoskeletal issue, neuromuscular issue, um, but could have been a weird transient thrombotic event. So you can decide, can I get this cat to a cardiologist quickly to make that final diagnostic um, diagnosis? Or am I going to hedge my bets and maybe even put this cat on like a prophylactic blood thinner? Uh, just because if it really is an ATE and we really get a high BNP result, the chances of that being from heart disease are much more likely. Um, otherwise, I would say we just need to get them seen by a cardiologist to determine what the severity of that heart disease is. Um, if you take the lameness part out of this cat's case altogether and you just took these radiographs as a screening for something else, um, same thing. If you get a high result, I'd say it's time to go to the cardiologist. If you get a normal result or a low result, I'd say the cardiac enlargement on radiographs is probably not significant for that animal. Um, there's still a chance, and I still think if that client is interested in a workup, always appropriate to refer because we know that an echocardiogram is still the gold standard for diagnosing occult heart disease in the cat. Um, but in that exact moment, having that tool to kind of fall back on, I think is helpful. Okay. Hey guys, I just want to jump in with a couple of quick announcements. I have got to thank Banfield the Pet Hospital for making transcripts of this podcast possible. Guys, in an effort to increase inclusivity and uh, accessibility in our profession to get people the information and, and to make sure everyone is included, Banfield has stepped up and made this uh, tr made transcripts possible. You can find them at drandywork.com. Thank you to them. This is something I wouldn't be able to do without their help. God, it makes me so good to be able to offer this. Hey gang, let me ask you a question. If you could make clients easier to handle for your veterinary team, would you do it? Would you make clients, uh, the client experience better for yourself and the people that you work with? Well, if your answer is yes, I just want you to know that I have worked really hard to help make this happen. I have two online on-demand courses in the Dr. Andy Rourke store. One of them is all about charming angry clients and the other one is all about building trust and relationships with pet owners. Uh, guys, I, I worked really hard on these. This is the culmination of over a decade of lecture that I have done around the world and working on these topics. Uh, it, is, it is my best stuff broken up into five to 10 minute modules that you can just drop into staff meetings. You can put them wherever you want. It doesn't have to be a big deal. You can use them in morning huddles, but it is a way that you can keep giving your people tools just to make their lives easier because that's what they're all about. If you're interested, head over to drandywork.com and just click on the store button and you can see what's there. Uh, I've also got uh, what's on my Scrubs card game, which is just something fun, little team building educational activity that, uh, that might make your people laugh. Anyway, I want you guys to know that that's there. I hope that you will check it out. On Wednesday, August the 10th, my good friend Sanani Ratnayaka RVT is doing an Uncharted workshop. She is doing Believing We Can, leading a solution-oriented team. What do decision-making processes actually look like in your practice? Get your team to solve problems and find solutions with tips and tricks from this 
workshop. Guys, Sanani is amazing at walking people through how to connect with their team, how to communicate positivity, how to get people in a positive and productive headspace to move forward and to solve their own problems. If you want that for your team, head over to unchartedvet.com. I'll put a link down in the show notes, but uh, get registered. It is on Wednesday, August the 10th, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 5.30 p.m. Pacific. It is $99 to the public. It is, as usual, almost always, free to Uncharted members. If you're uh, like, man, they do so many good workshops, don't forget to check out the Uncharted membership. I would love to have you in our community. I would talk to you. Uh, if you were there, because uh, we have a nice, vibrant, active community where we help each other. And uh, if that sounds useful, check it out. All right, guys. And now let's get back into this episode. When let's just say that we we run these tests, we run the ProBMP, we we do all the things, we we get we get normal results back, and we say, okay, you know, uh, still still big heart. Um, but, but we're not seeing these abnormal structural change markers, things like that. Do you recheck that cat? Are you going to get this cat back in a year or six months what, uh, and, and recheck? What does that look like? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think the follow-up is really important and we can't forget it. So I would say six to 12 months, I would recheck the same things. Okay. Over and again. just bring up and, and, and repeat helps, the rads yeah. and sort of compare them obviously to, to the previous, to the previous year. Okay. All right. That yeah. totally makes sense to me. Um, any, um, when we look at this, you know, we said uh, we'll probably need to do an echo to, to get any sort of insight into this. To me, so I, I practice in South Carolina, you know, we talk a lot about heartworm disease and we talk about heartworm disease in, in cats. I mean, is, it, is there anything else you would do to differenti- differentiate cause other than the echo, which it seems like that's kind of cutting to the chase and just saying, hey, look, we know we have a large heart. We know we've got some abnormalities in here. Like, I, I, I guess I'm sort of dancing around the obvious, uh, the obvious next step, which is we're going to get an echo. But anything else that you would add or consider in in that uh, in that in that phase? Yeah, I think so. Heartworm disease in cats is is relatively different from the dogs enough so that it'd be unusual but not impossible to see just a big heart from it. So typically with cats, we look for changes in the lungs a little bit more so, but. You could heartworm antigen and antibody test that cat. It's important to remember the antibody test as well for cats, um, but you totally could do that to kind of just further rule out some things. Um, you can, a lot of practices are getting point of care ultrasounds. Um, it doesn't have to be the full echo machine, but I have to be careful of what I say, but if you have a point of care ultrasound and you're just trying to rule other things out, like pericardial fusion, does this cat have a fusion around its heart? And that's why the cardiac silhouette looks big. If you're skilled and have the equipment to do that, you could always do that. But again, like you said, frustrating things, usually they have to come get an echocardiogram for the definitive diagnosis. I want to explore the connection that you mentioned early on, just because it's always worth looking into potentially simple answers. When I've got I've got a cat that's limping and a cat with a big heart, are those things related? So we talk about the aortic thromboembolism as a possibility. When I go back and talk to the pet owners and I say, hey, We've got we've got a large heart. Uh, you know we've 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 done our our ProBMP snap test, and you know, and, and I, I want you to go see the the cardiologist. And they say, what? Well, okay, but what about the fact that his leg still hurts? Uh, um, what do you talk about that? Are there things that you would do for pain management in the meantime? Um, are there ways that you would investigate that uh, that intersectionality and sort of say? Yes, I think that this limping and this heart disease are together. Or, uh, you know, I'm strongly suspicious of it. Of it, I'm mildly suspicious of it, or I am not suspicious of it. How, how do you how do you tease that apart to give them some guidance while well, the cat is still, you know, uh, not not fully weight bearing? 
Yeah, no, it's a great question. So, you know, with the with the lameness alone, like a, a I guess it goes back to what a classic ATE looks like. A classic aortic thromboembolism. It can be in any leg, um, so it can be just a front leg. Um, so we just can't forget it doesn't have to be the back legs. Right. But the classic things are they're painful. I just say screaming pain, right? Like yeah. I, I, would, I would expect it to really hear about this. Yeah, they're painful, but they're painful for the short term. Um, they are really painful at the beginning, and then they kind of lose that sensation over you know a day or two. Um, they usually have some change to their blood flow. So sometimes you can pick it up because their limb is cold or they mm. don't have a palpable pulse or you can't get a Doppler blood pressure to work on that leg. I, I try to use my physical exam more so than doing the diagnostics of lactates and blood glucose. Can totally use those things, um, but then it involves you poking a cat numerous times and so yeah. to try to avoid that. Um, but I think the biggest things that help differentiate a vascular event from a neurologic or an orthopedic event is that temperature of the leg mm. is probably the most important. Um, and then, and then unfortunately, that lactate and blood glucose differential those can be helpful. Um, but we see cats that have this kind of partial emboli; they, they go very transient. And they're just kind of lame. And so I think you have to keep it on your list for that client. But in that moment, you need to take care of that patient. So some type of pain management. Um, typically, if I know it's an ATE, I'm going to use some type of an opioid. But tons of people will use like Ponsior, for example. Yeah. So some type of an inset. That'll work really well for your, your musculoskeletal pain. Um, you can do gabapentin. That could work for neuromuscular um, or just in general pain. Um, but you got to do something for the comfort of the animal. In terms of if I really think this cat could have had an ATE, the most important thing for me to do, aside from the current management, is trying to prevent another one from happening. And so the somewhat good news is that a typical dose of Clavix or Clopidogrel in a cat, at least short term, is probably not the end of the world. Um, so I think it's just risk benefit again of that, of that client, of that patient talking to them about the importance of trying it versus the side effects of doing so. Michael. So treat the patient in front of you is basically yeah. what I, was basically what I heard. Yeah, we, I'll be honest. When you said uh, ATE, I kind of panicked. And I was like, oh my God. And everything I know about thrombolism went out the window. I, yeah. I just forgot. Everything. I was like, ah, what do I do? <laughs> and so, okay, I'm back in control now. I feel I feel like, okay, if this was a severe thromboembolism, like, I, I would know it. I would see it. I would recognize what it was. I would feel the cat's foot. I would do all the things. I feel, yes. I'm back to being comfortable <laughs> again. I'm like, okay. It's, it's like it's like when you have Olympic bat and a specialist says, well, have you thought about this? You know, <laughs> horrific <laughs> thing. And you're like, no. Uh, it was that. Okay. That, a panic, panic moment has passed. I feel, I'm back in control. I feel good. Okay. I have a plan. I think I know where to go with this. Um, I don't, I still don't feel like I have a, a, a lot of clear advice for the owner. I mean, other than we're going to work this up and if it's abnormal, we're going to go down these, this pathway. It sounds like, you know, we, we, it's kind of, we have, we have to see what this is, but, but we're going to go, we're going to go along for the ride and, uh, and investigate. Are there any final uh, words of advice that you have or things that I should say to the pet owner to set expectations for what's coming just because they're going to, you know, they're going to start on this path and we're going to, we're going to start a cardio, cardiology workup. Is, is there things that they should know before they get into this? Yeah, I think that, it's cat, cat heart disease is always going to be challenging. Um, and so I think you don't want to scare a client, you know, without, without yeah. the need to, um, but it's important not to overlook some of those even subtle things like the cardiomegaly, 
and the lameness. Could those be correlated or not? And so I think just being honest, just being open and saying, look, we screened. We haven't found any significant evidence that supports severe cardiac disease, but this is something we're going to follow up with in the future. And we're going to do it by a recheck blood pressure, a recheck thyroid, and a recheck BNP level. Um, say, in the future, monitor for recurrent lameness, monitor for any collapsing episodes, shortness of breath, anything like that. You know where you're going to go first. Um, and you already have your baseline diagnostics, which honestly is going to be really helpful moving forward with this CAD. Yeah, I I, no, I completely agree. I'm not I'm not a big fan of of uh, of of scaring people. Like I, I don't like that. And at the same time, I really do feel like a lot of pet owners blow off health risks of their cat. I think it's because cats are stoic and and you know and, and hide uh, hide pain and illness and things like that. But um, I I think I think leaning a little bit more heavily into hey, you need to understand this is going on and we're going to follow up on it. Uh, that that makes a lot of sense to me as opposed to just over comforting like oh don't don't worry about it because I, i'm worried i'm not gonna get that cat back if i don't yeah. if i don't impress one okay awesome this is so helpful i really really appreciate it. thank you so much for being here thank you for having me and that's it guys that's what i got for you uh thanks again to dr matt for being with me uh, i'm such a fan of hers gang uh take care of yourselves be well enjoy practice keep learning and uh and growing as doctors and technicians because gang that's all there is. It's uh, it's continued growth. It's lifelong learning. All right. See you, everybody. Bye.